And so that's what movies do. So, so you need, so you need a good, a good person. You need a big problem, and the bigger the better. And then, um, and then they overcome somehow in the end, and, and, and you get this experience that's just elation, right? So that's that's what happens. So, um, and it's like a formula that the, the movies have discovered, right? And so, um, and and it sells. If you get the formula right, your movie will sell. And so, in fact, the story's got to be for the story to be a good one. The, the audience has to be brought to the point of such deep despair. Oh, slide number two. Sorry, of such of such deep despair um, that the, the, basically the audience is thinking there is absolutely no way this person could ever possibly have even a remote chance of winning. Right, void of all hope. And so, if you think about any movies you've seen lately, you'll find those ingredients and. In, in, in almost all the movies that you've seen, like, and you know what makes it even better is if there's real events. If it's like a true story, that makes that makes the whole storyline even better. So that's why they always tout that. If it is like, for example, *Chariots of Fire*, we've got our God-fearing runner for Christ, and uh, the odds are against him, and he goes to the Olympics. You know, anyway, he's he ends up being the best runner in the country. Goes to the Olympics, but how can he win the Olympics if he doesn't even run the qualifying heat? He can't win the Olympics, and then at the last minute, somebody comes in and says. Take my place in this other race. And he so he runs a race he's not even used to and he wins and overcomes and, and you walk out of the movie and you say, Wow, I wish I wish God would do that in my life because somebody handed him a note that said, Those who honor the Lord, I will honor. And so you'd say, Oh, I wish God would honor me like that. I wish that I could be in that kind of place. Right? Or or how about this one? Secretariat. Housewife Penny Tweedy, right? She's not a racing expert, inherits some racehorses, and she's like well, I guess I got to make it work, otherwise we go bankrupt. And so she's she's driven to go ahead and try to get this one horse secretariat to, to to win some races, and he ends up winning the triple crown, and and he's probably the greatest racehorse that ever you know ran on it ran on a track, and he won the last race, the Belmont Stakes, by I think it was thirty one and a half lengths ahead of the next horse behind him, the second best horse in the world right then, and you think. Wow, wouldn't God? Wouldn't it be awesome for God to do something like that in my life? And that's why we go to movies like. Or how about this one, Miracle? Right, 1980, the U.S. Olympic hockey team, and nobody thought they had a chance. They're a bunch of scrubs out of college, and they get assembled together in this ad hoc um, Olympic hockey team, and they're going up against the best in the world, the USSR, that dominated everything for like decades in hockey, and then they actually win the last game, and even the announcer blurts out, "It's a miracle." And you walk out of the story rejoicing, saying, wow, wouldn't God do something like that in my life? I would love that. And so you have to have, so in order to have a great story, you have to lead the audience into, into, into this period of, of really low lows and then to a really high high. And jubilation, that brings the audience to jubilation. And if you can do that, what do you make? Money. You can make a lot of money, right? You need the, the, the deeper despair to get the higher jubilation. And the truer the tale, the better. Think think about some other movies that you've got there. Sea Biscuit, right? Hoosiers, Annie, Apollo thirteen, Sully. Just about any movie you can think of has these aspects in there, and we just wish that we could have a part in it too. But get, but but going and watching it on a screen is the closest that we could that we feel like we could ever get to it. And so we settle we settle for that, and we and we rejoice in that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we think you know what? It won't happen to me. So I've got to go to the movies to get that. And since we're at a theater, which is all about stories, I want to tell you about the greatest story ever told or seen. It's about a person named Yo. Why, oh, I know. It's an un unusual name. Slide three, please. Uh, Yo was given up by parents at an early age. 
no family to speak of, mistreated by pseudo-parents through the growing up years. And because of the system, uh, she was able to borrow some money and then ran out of money, ran out of credit, got, got thrown out completely bankrupt, living on the streets in, a, in, in, in an area, right? Um, no home, no shower, no clean clothes, no shoes. Lived in an alley with rats. At night, the rats would come and they'd chew on Yo's ears and toes until she woke up and swatted them away, but they'd come back again, right? She ate out of garbage cans, and even the food there was filthy, so she got worms and, and just had medical problems. Just one set of clothes, which was, you know, getting threadbare, barely covered her body, holes in it. Winter was really cold, and she smelled really bad. Nobody would even get near her. Everybody avoided her. Nobody wanted anything to do with, with her. Everybody would go as far around as they could. Nobody had compassion. She was completely on her own. No schooling or work skills to speak of, so she couldn't get a job. Society in that country wouldn't pay for any help. And without any real food, she couldn't even make enough money to do manual labor uh, to make a living. I mean, nothing. Nothing worked. Nobody cared. Nobody would help. No hope to ever get off the street. The greatest of despairs. The most utter hopelessness this existed on the planet, but Yo longed for more. She felt like there was more out there. There was something out there. She wanted to get off the streets, to, to live in a home, to be loved, to be protected, to have food, to be clothed. And somehow there was something in Yo's heart that said there's more, that somehow change is possible. Then one day it happened. Someone came looking for Yo. A relative that had that had known about Yo, an older man in a fine suit. He'd spent years trying to trying to find her, and finally when he shows up, he walks up to her with tender, kind-hearted eyes and says that she's that he's been looking for her. The whole family's been desperately looking for her, employing private investigators, everybody to try to it's taken years to get this far. So he put a nice warm coat on her, the nicest that she'd seen. Walked her to the waiting limousine, had the family, or drove drove to the uh, uh, to the um, uh, hotel where the family had a reception set up, all all in Yo's honor. And the next day, the, the family flew to their tropical retreat island, and um, physicians cared for her. And from then on, she was treated like royalty. Why? Because in fact, Yo was a royal in that country. So, Yo's story. Is, is an amazing story. If there was ever a single movie, it's a single story, a single movie that, that would bring you to the pinnacle of, of the, the deepest depths and to the highest heights, it would be the story of Yo. But you know what? I left one thing out of the story of Yo. And it's the, the letter U. Because it's really not a story about Yo, it's a story about you and me. It's a, it's a parallel of the spiritual life that each one of us start out with. And most of us have, you know, throughout life, our spiritual conditions. So slide five. <clears throat> so you and I, without Christ, I'm going to show, I'm going to show what, what you and I are like. We're spiritually destitute, poverty-stricken, just like you, completely bankrupt. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The rats in the story, I equate to Satan's minions destroying life bit by bit, saying things to you like, 
Nobody loves you. You don't deserve to live. That's, those, are, those are the thoughts that progress people to suicide. Eating out of spiritual garbage cans, hey, that's the same thing as accepting guidance from the world around us. The filthy hygiene, and, 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 and it, can't give, it can't give real life, and so we stay spiritually ill. We don't have, don't have peace with God or, or ourselves. And so this, the filthy hygiene parallels all spiritual condition before God. It says in Isaiah, we're all like an unclean thing. To a holy God, we are so dirty because of our wrongdoing. And then for the wages of sin is death. The threadbare and filthy rags of the story are like your and my good works. You know, a lot of people think, if I just do good sometimes, I give, you know, when they ask me at the store if I want to give the, the, the round to change out, that I'll do that because then God will give me, you know, throw me a bone. And um, they think, as long as I do some good things, then I'll, if there is a heaven, I'll get in. And they don't realize that that's not how God works, right? He doesn't weigh the bad against good. In Isaiah 64, it says, even if the, be- the best you could ever do, it's just like filthy rags, Filthy rags before the Lord. Not impressive at all. Even our good deeds are motivated by selfishness and deceit and pride, and, and they're filthy to God. And the no spiritual family, nobody to love and care for you, everybody despising and avoiding you. This, just like the story with Yo. So Ephesians says, at that time you were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's pretty low, low. And in contrast with Yo, our condition is not, it, our, our condition isn't about physical problems, it's about spiritual problems um, that can't be remedied with money, right? So slide six, Hebrews nine, it's appointed for mankind to die once and after this is judgment. So the amount of pity that you and I had on Yo when we were listening to that story a minute ago is so minute compared to the amount of pity that we should have on our own spiritual condition. And speaking of eternity, the entrance price into heaven, let's just pretend that you could package the whole world, sell it to somebody, cash it in, take all that money and try to hand it over to God and say, okay, I want, I want to purchase one ticket, one passage into heaven. He'd laugh. No, not even close. Nowhere in the ballpark. Mark says, For what does it profit a man if he gains a whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing that you could give in exchange for your soul. So, there was a, a defiant-looking teenager that I saw once. And, um, and you know, just he just looked very defiant, right? And he was wearing a shirt that said, God is my judge. And I thought, oh, man. That's true, but I'll tell you, if you, when you stand before him as judge, you would wish that you had a human judge instead because a human judge can't see the wickedness inside your heart. You can only get judged based on your actions. A human judge can't see, you know, can't dig up all the bad things that you've ever done in life, but God's got a record of all of those. Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Jesus said, in Matthew, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, God, who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So slide seven. So we're all spiritually destitute, completely in spiritual poverty, with no hope, no hope at all of heaven. How are we doing to paint the bleakest picture ever? We doing okay with that? <laughs> no hope? 
So right now you should be thinking, wow, there is absolutely no way I could ever possibly even have the remotest chance of getting into heaven. And yes, that's exactly right. And you should also be saying, we are so out of luck. This is awesome. This is great news because you can't have the greatest story ever told unless you go down into the deepest despair, like that curve that we showed at the beginning. And once you get down into that deepest despair, only then could you get to the greatest story ever told. Because the, the story, you know, the greatness of a story depends on how deep that curve is and how, the, how high it goes after that, right? So from a movie-making perspective, you, sh you should be saying, wow, this is awesome. I've never heard a story this, this incredible. Great news must be coming, right? Because that's not where the story ends. Just like, yo, it happened. One day, and for, t for you, it might be today, someone came looking for you. A relative who'd known about you. And his name is Jesus. He spent years looking for you and drawing you to himself. In fact, everything that's happened, everything that's happened in your life is for the purpose of bringing you to himself. He spent your whole life try working towards this moment. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. And John, so he approaches you with love and tear-filled eyes because you are important to him. In fact, all of heaven has been anticipating you coming to Jesus. So, and just as Yo's threadbare clothes were replaced by a nice coat, when you come to Jesus, he takes away the filthy rags and gives you a spiritual covering. Really nice one. Isaiah 61 says, He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And that's enough to bring joy. In, in Luke... The family welcome home party for Yo in the reception hall, that's like this. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. There is a party waiting for you if you've never come to Jesus. Or if you're far away and you're coming back, there's a party waiting for you. The abundance of food in Yo's, the final part of Yo's story is, is equates to the spiritual abundance of food available in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And just as Yo was treated like royalty from then on, God will treat you like royalty because Jesus makes you to be a royalty in the kingdom of heaven. Revelation says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Slide eight. These verses here capture the greatest story ever experienced. For when we were still without strength, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't come here to bring good people to heaven. He just didn't. He came here to get bad people into heaven, to change people who are sinners and who've done wrong their whole life, to change them on the inside so they could have passage to heaven. Because his blood is the cost of getting into heaven. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. No longer have to fear God's judgment because we've been saved from wrath because of Jesus. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, 
that so much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There's just so much richness in, in here. A couple bolded things I put in there just to, just to highlight it. So God loved you and me so much he sent Jesus even when we were were ungodly. And what that word means is had no reverential fear or respect of God. Even when, when we had no concept of why God is big or good or important or anything like that. Jesus sent God or God sent Jesus to, to come and rescue us at that point. And then because of Jesus... Um, you can now be justified and reconciled with God, be in right relationship with God. And then because of Jesus, you shall be saved from God's wrath in the future. So, we come to a, a theater today, right? Um, and usually we come to theaters to watch a movie, but I'm telling you, you don't have to just watch a movie. You don't have to walk out wishing that there would be something really awesome that happens in your life like that. You can walk out having the real experience. So if the best stories bring audiences to the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, and the truer the story, the better, then the greatest story ever experienced is the story of you coming to Jesus. From being spiritually filthy without God, without any hope in the world, to being a king or a queen, not just here in this world, but in the world to come. In, in heaven, the kingdom of heaven, to last forever and ever, to reign as royalty with Christ Jesus it's just unparalleled. Utter despair to unparalleled jubilation. You don't have to wish yourself into a movie. You can, you can experience something better than that. You can't overcome in your own story. So here's another verse I'm just going to read real quick. Revelation 21, 3 through 7. It's not on the slide. 21, 3 through 7. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to whoever thirsts. And whoever comes or whoever overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. You can overcome in your own story. You can't purchase your way into heaven. You can't persuade your way into heaven. You can't push your way into heaven. You can't pretend your way into heaven. You can only be carried into heaven by the one who rules there. But maybe you think, you know, I've done too much wrong. Jesus wouldn't accept me. Yeah, he will. He came looking for you. If you want that hope, then he'll accept you. He paid the biggest price that's ever been asked. And so he could forgive the biggest sin that's ever been done. 
And you remember that record of all your sins that I mentioned? Well, when you come to Jesus, he throws it away. Never to be retrieved again, completely forgotten. Isaiah 38 says, You have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. So if you don't know Jesus, this is a plea for you to come to Jesus. So you can experience the greatest story, not just as it's ever been seen, but the greatest story that's ever been experienced on anywhere on the planet throughout all history. And if you come to him with an honest and contrite heart, then he will accept you. And you will have that jubilation today. And you'll have a party in your heart like you have never experienced today. So we'll go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we just give you glory and praise and honor and thanks. Thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, the one who puts us in good relationship with you and who takes our sins and throws them behind um, your back and so that we could not be held against those. Those would not be held against us anymore. Thank you that you make the way for us. And one of the verses that we read says, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. And what that means is we brag, we boast in Christ Jesus and what God the Father has done through Christ Jesus because it's something so far beyond what we could ever do. But it's a free gift that you give us and that you lead and guide us in your way after that and so we could have entrance into heaven. Thank you for, even when we hated you, that you came for us. Thank you that you have the ability to take our broken hearts and to put in a brand new one. To take all the hurt and all the tears and turn it around to joy and rejoicing. We, if there's anybody here who's never done that, I ask that you would move on their heart and that they would do that. That they would come to Jesus, which means to throw, to throw ourselves at his feet and to ask for his forgiveness. And to ask him to be our Savior and our Lord. And when that person does that, put such great rejoicing in their heart that it would be like a wedding party that they never forget. Because that's what parties are for, to remember a special occasion. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you. We just boast and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We're so thankful for your son that you gave us freely. Lead us into eternal life. We praise you. We love you. We honor you. We ask that you would keep each one of us safe as we go today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.